The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Astros Baseball is brought to you by Ram Shirts. Ram Shirts offers custom printed and embroidered apparel. They offer direct-to-garment printing for small runs and screen printing for larger runs. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Ram Shirts. Go to RamShirts.com for all your custom apparel needs. Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan for the fans of the Houston Astros. Here's your host, Rob Fontenot. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. Live from the Dugout Mug Studio, Swig for the Fences. Don't forget to uh, enter that giveaway when a uh, Dugout Mug for your dad runs to the end of May. You got to get him one of those. So joining me today from ESPN 97.5 in Houston, the co-host of the Killer Bees, Mr. Jerry Branham. Jerry, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I love talking Astros baseball, so look forward to the conversation. I was really scared about about the uh, about the uh, game today, you know, because we dropped the first two, yeah. and then today it was, you know, I, w- I was pretty happy. So my impression of the series just before we dive into the games is that. You know, the Astros took the lead, I believe, in the first two games, but they only scored in one inning. You know, they scored three in one inning, and they scored two in one inning, and nothing else. But today, they spread it out. They actually, they scored a lot of runs today, actually, and they were able to score in one, you know, more than one inning. So, I was pretty excited about that. So, what was your overall take of the series? I think my overall take is that the Astros are struggling a little bit right now at the start of the season. You know, the offense isn't clicking. Although if you look around Major League Baseball, offenses really aren't clicking around the league. I think the condensed spring training has played a role into that a bit. Uh, You know, where the Astros usually excel, though, is situational hitting, and they haven't done a whole lot of that. Like today, they had a runner at second base, nobody out. Difficulties to move the runner over. You know, runner at third, less than two outs. Difficulties to, to produce a run. So I think they're just reeling a little bit right now. Uh, you know, it's April, so not too worried. But also, I think the Blue Jays are really good. I think the I think they're going to have a very good regular season. You know, what they have offensively, I, mean, I think they have the best offense in all of baseball. It'll be interesting to see their pitching throughout. But I think the Astros are fine. You know, they just start hitting the baseball a little bit more and kind of figure out, you know, the roles and, you know, what Dusty Baker wants to do, line up and situations with his bullpen. I think they'll be all right. I think it's early in the season and 
you know, trying to figure out who they are still. All right, so let's go to Friday's game. We got a Justin Verlander start. My opinion, I mean, how much more confident can you be for an Astros win when he's out there? And we didn't get it, so that was pretty shocking. But it, it started out good. You know, Bregman had an RBI single with the bases loaded, and we went up one to zero. Yuli had a single. We we're up three to nothing early in the game, feeling good. And then nothing else. I mean, Guriel Jr., you know, they scored on a force out to make it three to one. And then Verlander gave up those two solo home runs in the fifth inning to tie things up. And that's that's pretty much Verlander. You know, that's kind of what he does. He gives up them solo homers, and they're better than three-run homers. Uh, but overall, how would you think Verlander looked? I think Verlander's been terrific. I thought he looked really good. One of those home runs you talked about only was a home run at Minute Maid Park. You know, they do those stack cast stuff, and they they tell you how many places that it would have been a home run, and one of those home runs would have only been a home run at Minute Maid Park. So it kind of shows you that uh, that was a, a Minute Maid Park specialty. I think Verlander's been great. I mean, how much could you you know ask for for a guy who was in his late 30s coming off Tommy John and uh, I think he's been tremendous early on. You know, I think that was a big question coming into the year. Like the Astros pitching rotation, there was two things that I was concerned about. One of them was how does Justin Verlander look? Uh, you know, just the, the fact that father time catches up to you. And then the second part of that, that he's having Tommy John. So I thought it was a huge question coming into the year. And he's pitched far better than I think anybody could have hoped. It's just a matter of sustaining it now. Uh, the other question I had was Lance McCullers. And, you know, we're not going to know anything about that until the summer. So Verlander's looking great. Um, I think the fact that they're going with the six-man rotation here, uh, over, I think it starts next week, uh, just because you have so many games that you're playing is good for Verlander, one, because Verlander's old and coming off Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Uh, but then also like other guys like Luis Garcia, who pitched more innings last year than he's ever pitched in his entire career. Uh, I think that the six-man rotation is good. It's, you know, you're going to see Javier, too, get a crack at the rotation. Maybe he's auditioning to – you know, potentially take over that Odorizzi spot, depending on who pitches better whenever they decide to go back to a five-man rotation. So I'm excited for that. I think Verlander's been great, and I think the six-man rotation's a good thing, too, to kind of keep him fresh. And, you know, if you make the playoffs, try to make sure he's at his best whenever you get to, to October. Yeah, make the playoffs, make sure he's healthy. Uh, McCullers should be healthy if he doesn't have any more setbacks. So I think we're looking good overall. I like Javier. Mm -hmm. He's one of the guys that, you know, he's good at starting and he's really solid in the bullpen. So either either way, either place you put him, he's gonna help us. So that's a good thing. So we're tied at three to three. Chapman had an RBI double. I, I went to the game Saturday. Okay. And Chapman got on base and I, I and I was thinking to myself, I don't even remember him signing here. Like that they got another good player. That's that's pretty because <laughs> what it is, I think the first time I don't know if he played third. I, I'm assuming he played third base. But their third base made a play, and I was like, man, their third base was pretty good. You know, that was a, that was a good throw, and I didn't even realize it was him. So that's how much I know. But the Astros are winning, and they had a chance to win, and you, you touched on it earlier. They had runners on the corners with one out. Castro, this is a big question that came up after the game. A lot of people were blaming Dusty Baker with this loss, but – they had runners on the corners and one out. Uh, Yuli had got a single. Tucker struck out, and Diaz got a single. And then they pitch hit Castro. And to me, Castro's, I mean, that was his thing. Come in late in the game and pinch hit last year. So you yeah. know it's not going to bother him. You know he's good at it. So I didn't have a problem with that. 
But then the third out, they put Matichevic, major league debut, in a game-winning situation in the ninth inning. And, you know, he swung at a high fastball and struck out. So we lose. But what do you think about that? What do you think about Dusty's decision late in the game? I didn't like it, if I'm being honest. I don't think he's the reason they lost the game because you still need a little bit of execution. But I don't think he put the Astros in the best position to try to win that game. Uh, I thought I thought Castro should be used as a pinch hitter, but not for Chaz. I thought he should have pinch hit for Maldonado and kept Chaz McCormick in the game. You know, it is interesting, too, because we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it here in a little bit. But then, you know, Chaz McCormick gets lifted for a pinch hitter in a big spot uh, Friday with runners in the corners, one out, a chance to tie the game. And then he leads off a couple of days later. So kind of interesting there that a guy that you're, you know, it's a big spot, you're pinch hitting for him. And then all of a sudden he's leading off a couple of days later. And I thought what Dusty said after the game was pretty curious as well. He said that he wanted a couple of lefties back to back against Romano. And then, you know, you look at Romano's numbers and he's actually better against lefties than he is against right-handed hitters. So that was a curious comment from Dusty, going with a couple of lefties in a row, even though Romano is better against left-handed hitters than righties. And I think if you look at the four guys that were kind of all in that conversation, you had the rookie, you had Maldonado, you had Castro, you had Chaz. Uh, if I had my druthers, I'd rather have seen Chaz get a chance and then Castro with two outs batting for Maldonado. So I, I didn't love the idea, but it, I mean, you also have to execute, right? You know, Dusty can put his players in position to try to give you the best chance to win, but Who's to say if you don't fit, you know, if Chaz gets that at bat, he does the same thing. So I wouldn't pin the loss on Dusty, but it, it wasn't something that I would have done. And I don't think it gave yeah. the Astros the best chance to win. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, you can't blame him for the loss because these guys are professionals and they should have executed better. Uh, but the Astros lose four to three, had a <laughs> chance to tie it up. But I mean, getting hits, they're getting hits. That's not the problem. It's scoring runs. They had three runs on seven hits. Toronto had four runs on seven hits. Bregman went two for three. He walked. He got on base three times. Yuli, who was struggling, I think he's starting to he's starting to feel it. He went two for four. And the Astros actually went three for seven with runners in a scoring position. And the last series, it was like 0 for 4, 0 for 4, you know. Some, and then the game they won, I think they went four for seven or something like that. But we got six innings out of Erlander. Can't ask for more than that. He gave up three runs, two of them solo. I mean, the Astros lineup, the starter gives them six innings, they only scored three runs. You should win that game with that lineup, but the offense just isn't there. And then Naris, you know, somebody said something about putting him in. Like, why are you putting Naris in in the ninth inning? He's our closer right now with uh, Presley out. So I don't see anything wrong with that decision. And you can't blame him. It was his first run he gave up all season so it just happened you can't keep people from scoring all year but uh yeah overall had a chance to win so it's not too bad uh, you got anything else you want to add before we go to Saturday's game no I I like Nurse too uh you know you can't like you said you can't blame a reliever too much whenever he gives up his first run of the year I didn't have a problem using them there either I mean, he, he's your, a high-leverage reliever, right? You mentioned that he's the closer right now while Presley's out. It's a tie game against a good team in the ninth inning. Yeah, I, I don't see any issue at all using Naris in that spot. So, Saturday's game, Jose Urquidy, that's the game I was at. And, by the way, it was lot, we had a lot of fun. And so, someone that, you know, I've been following on Twitter, he's a big Blue Jays fan. <laughs> And he asked me, what do you think the reception is going to be for Springer? Because he was in the starting lineup on Saturday. And my response was standing ovation. 
<laughs> I mean, we love the guy. It wasn't a standing ovation. I think some people stood up, but he got a really loud, really loud pop from the audience. Yeah, I would have expected that too. You know, he was the World Series MVP for the only World Series the Astros have won in you know organization history. So uh, I imagine that Springer was going to have a, a very good ovation. And I was happy to see that ovation too for Springer. You know, a guy leaves in free agency to you know, secure a good financial contract for him and his family. That's the name of the game, right? It's the business. It's the nature of it. And the Astros weren't willing to offer that. So uh, no issue at all with Springer. And I'm glad that the, uh, the Houston Astro fans gave him the ovation and the recognition he deserves for, you know, his tenure while he was a Houston Astro. So we go to the game on Saturday, Jose Urquidy, um, top of the first. <laughs> Welcome back, George. Lead off home run. I'm not going to lie. I was actually happy. I mean, George Springer was my favorite player. You you can't not love the guy. And I was happy for him. You know, it's like, okay, that's it. No more. Because that, that actually happened as well. They cheered him. They were they cheered him when he had home run. We wow. cheered the other team. But <laughs> after that, they cheered him when he got out. I mean, they were like, they felt like me. Like, okay, that we gave you some love. That's enough. Uh, but bottom of the first, the Astros answered, right? Brantley singled and Bregman knocked him in. I think he hit it over there in the Crawford boxes, if my memories serves me correctly. So we're winning. It's pretty good. And then Jose Arquiti's cruising along. We get to the sixth inning, and uh, they tie it up with a sack fly. Two to two, top of the seventh. Uh, Taylor, Blake Taylor, gave up a solo home run, and we were losing. And then the bottom of the ninth. We had another chance to, I don't know, we could at least tied. So there's two games in a row. We were there. You know, blame the pitching, blame the offense, whatever you want to do. But we were there. We had a chance. So Tucker singles, and I think there was one out, either after he singled or before he singled. And then Diaz comes in. I think Diaz pinch hit for somebody. I, I didn't agree. write all this down. but And, man, I tweeted, what a shitty way to lose. Oh my goodness. Just hammered it to first base. The guy caught it, tag base game. It it was like everybody, whoa. I mean, it stunned everybody. What a what a way to lose. Yeah, you think you have a chance to win and all of a sudden you see a ball get blasted off of Diaz's bat. Oh no, it's in his glove. And then the, the double play. It's always a, a weird way to lose a game. But you're right. I mean, the Astros have been in both of those games. Both of those games could have went either way. I mean, it could be the best two teams in the American League in this series, too. And, and they played three really close ones. I know the Astros aren't winning as much as they would like to win, but you know, this is another one, too. I, I, I like watching Jose Arquiti pitch because he's he's uh, he's got a great command, right? He, he's able to pound the strike zone, doesn't walk many guys. He doesn't have overwhelming stuff, right? Like, he's not Pedro Martinez. He, he doesn't throw 100 miles per hour. He's not, you know, this uh, huge – arm which it seems like nowadays you have to you have to have incredible velo you have to have the rpms and all this spin rate and all of that and Arquini just kind of steady solid uh you know what you're going to get with him one thing that i would like to see from Arquini a little bit more is you know he's he's he's, become, he's built this reputation where you know he never walks guys which is great you don't want any you know you don't want to walk hitters and give them gifts and free passes I wish when he was up in the count, he would nibble a little bit more than, than we've seen over the course of his career. You know, one, two count, maybe you throw a baseball, you know, off the outside corner, maybe you miss a ball in, maybe you miss a ball low. And we know he's got great command. So I think he's capable of doing it. And while he had a solid outing, I thought he got hit a little bit better than, than what the numbers would indicate. 
Uh, and just like one thing that you kind of pick nits with uh, Jose Arquiti, at least from my point of view. Yeah. Yeah, he went uh, five and two-thirds, six hits and two runs. Again, that's a start that the Astros should be able to win. I thought they did really good. Uh, the Astros left six guys on base. Brantley went three for four. Alex Bregman had that home run. It was only hit. And then Tucker. I didn't get to see the game today because I was busy, but did he have the gloves on again? He went three for four wearing gloves yesterday. I would imagine he had the gloves on as well. I was uh, I broadcast Houston baseball on their play-by-play guy, so we played at the exact same time that they did. So I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I got in my car, I think it was in the ninth inning. So I uh, I listened to the rest of the game from the uh, on the way home. But I, I would imagine if you get three hits with the gloves on, I, I'm willing to bet that he had the <laughs> gloves on again today. Yeah, I had the MLB game day on. Uh huh. You know, while we were doing what we were doing, and I had my phone set up. I knew everything that was going on. I just can't Same. see it. I was so watching I, the uh, yeah. the game day cast, so I was probably watching the same thing that you were, where it's, yeah. you know, it gives you the information, it gives you the you know the where you know the count, the outs, all that stuff. So I have the MLB app, and whenever I'm you know away from the TV, I'll always have that MLB app going. So I was following along, but yeah, I didn't see it. Uh, I actually didn't see one pitch on TV today. I was following along on the on the game day, and then I listened to the radio call on the way home. Yeah, and on the and the game day, they don't let you know like if he's batting with yeah. gloves or not. Right. <laughs> so the, the, the thing, the note I wrote here is the, the pitching, starting pitching was good. The pin went, the pin was good. Also, the bullpen, Nara, Stanek, Maton combined two and two thirds, no hits, no runs. So there you go. Another great outing by Naris. But if you look at game one and game two, 18 innings, they only scored in two of them. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was telling you earlier. And that's kind of the problem. Like, get something going, you know, every inning. But let me tell you about this. This is somebody on Twitter wrote a little, uh, what do you call it? Where you you keep writing more and more tweets. I was going to call oh, it a thread? stream, a thread. There you go. I was going to call it a stream, but he had a stream of why we should trade Michael Brantley. What? <laughs> yes. So everybody's like, what? And then, so he, you know, he started saying, okay, he hits 300 but he only hits he only he's only gets hits when there's no one on base. You know, he's not he's not driving any runs in. It's not really his fault. So going into today, I was really happy to see that he got a two-run homer. That was yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> so yeah, there's no no chance you would never trade Brantley. I don't understand. No, I don't really get that logic. I mean, everybody's got a price, right? I mean, if they offered, if the angels offered Mike Trout for Michael Brantley, I would have a hard time turning that trade down, but I just can't imagine that anybody would give, you know, what it would require for me to trade Michael Brantley away. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense either because Brantley's on a contending team. You know, he's getting every day at bats. I would imagine a team that can continues to contend wouldn't want to trade Brantley you know, I think the only way that the Astros would, I mean, you're, no one's going to blow you away for Brantley, who's in the last year of his deal. That's something else to consider. He's in the last year of his contract. The only way I could see the Astros trading Brantley is if it's July and they're so far out of the race that there's no way they can get back into it. And you're trading him for a prospect because he'd be a rental to another team. But yeah, I'm not trading Michael Brantley, not in April, not if I'm in contention, no. unless I'm being offered Mike Trout, which that would be a no brainer. Yeah, I don't think one person. That read that, uh, yeah. What'd you call it again? 
thread. Uh, thread, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone that read that thread agreed with that guy, but it was just funny. I don't the think logic that he had. Like in that in kind in that spot, kind of the point of Twitter is that you only get so many characters. I feel like I feel like Twitter should be anti-thread. Well, he was just commenting on himself. <laughs> no, he, I he get had, it. Yeah, I get it. What, what do you think about? Why do, why doesn't Twitter have an edit button? That's what bothers me. I hear that they're putting them in. Although I think that was an April Fool's joke. Because uh, Facebook, you know, you 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 spend your time like here's this picture. I'm going to describe yeah. it. Here's what we did, and then you hit post. You're like, ah, yeah, I misspelled something, <laughs> and then I delete it and have to do it all again. But on on Facebook, you just hit edit, you fix it. So. I think it's a great point. I think I think you should send that to the uh, you know before Elon buys it. I think you should send it to whoever's running Twitter to get that fixed. Hopefully, they will do it. So today, <laughs> Luis Garcia. We were supposed to go Sunday, and I was excited to see Luis Garcia. So I was kind of disappointed. Yeah. But he didn't have the greatest of outings. He went six innings, gave up five runs. But going to Chaz McCormick, you know how they pinch hit for him one day, and he's the leadoff hitter the next day. Or two days later, right? Crazy, but he got a single, RBI single. And then Bregman walked with the bases loaded. We went up two to zero, so apparently the bases were loaded and they couldn't push any more runs across. Vlad Jr. made it two to one. And then bottom of the fourth, Brantley with a two-run homer. We're up four to one, and I'm pretty excited. I'm, You know, I tweeted that, man, it looks like the Astros really want to win today. And then Guriel Jr. had a home run. That was pretty cool the day I went to because Guriel's my favorite player. Me and my wife were wearing shirts that said Hot Guriel Summer. Forgot to mention this. <laughs> and they gave him his golden glove. Gold glove. So that's pretty cool. We got to see that. And we were we were sitting pretty much right there. Uh the Astros scored on an error, made it five to two. I was feeling pretty good. And then I get the alert. I don't know if I was paying attention at this time, but I got the alert. And I was like, oh, no, five to five. Oh, yeah. no. And then they take the lead, and we tie it up, and we go to the 10th inning. So here we go again. The last time it didn't work out good for us. Uh, they score seven to six, and then bottom of the 10th. What a, If any guy was struggling on our team, I think he was like two for 22. Something like that, Jeremy Pena, to come up big like that in the 10th inning with that two-run homer, that would have been awesome to be there. Yeah, I thought it – I was listening to the game, like I said, on the way home. I think Luis Garcia pitched better than what the numbers would tell you. Like, he was kind of cruising along and then ran into a little bit of trouble there in the sixth inning. And Collins had a green light on a 3-0 count and hit that three-run homer, uh, which tied it at the time. But I think Jeremy Pena hitting that, that walk-off could be great for two reasons. One, for Jeremy Pena, uh, because he was reeling a little bit. I think he was hitless in his last 12, 13, 14 at bat, something like that, uh, and not batting in the leadoff spot for the first time since Altuve was you know, out. He wasn't placed on the aisle yet, but since he's been out with the hamstring injury. So I think it, I think it's great for Pena's you know, confidence. I think that it should do him wonders. Who I mean, he's already having a very good rookie year, small sample size, less than a month into the season, but he's been very good. And also, I think it can get the Astros going. You know, sometimes the Ast- you know, a team just needs that one big hit, right? Okay, we're, we're down a run, one out in the 10th or the 9th, whatever the case may be. You get that walk-off blast, and then it kind of, like, relieves all this pressure, relieves all this tension. It's like, oh, yeah, we can't hit the baseball. What are we doing here? We're a good offensive team. So I- I'm really interested to watch this, uh, especially this four-game series coming up as the, the Astros go to Arlington. 
to see if, you know, hitting is contagious, right? It's the old adage. It's cliche, blah, 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 blah. But I, I think Pena can kind of lift the team with that home run. And then also I think he can get going this week as a little bit as well, you know, being able to hit that home run. And I'm sure he's feeling, you know, on top of the moon about himself for, for hitting that home run. Yeah, the Astros had 11 hits today. So they know they can hit the ball. Pena, that was his only hit. So that was his first hit. You know, the, the streak you were talking about. And I had seen something. He was like two for 22 or – but do you think this is sometimes what I think also he was producing pretty well. Yeah. And then it seems like his production dipped when they put him in the leadoff spot. Because do you think that leadoff spot adds extra pressure to you and it kind of makes you press? You think that had uh, anything to do with it? I don't think it had anything to do with it. I think it'd be naive to think that it doesn't though, right? I think it'd be naive to say that it it, it it's not pressure. But he is already taking over for Correa. So he's already taken over for – is Correa an Astro legend? If you think so, he's taken over for a legend. Um, so I, I feel like he already has that pressure. He already has all that on his shoulders. Um, would it add a little bit more, you know, filling in for Jose Altuve in the leadoff spot? I mean, I think it would be naive to say no. Uh, I'm not sure it's the reason that Pena was going through the skid, though. I think that if Pena was hitting in the seventh spot, eighth spot, whatever, I think he probably goes through the same skid, facing the same pitching. In fact, you can make a case batting in the leadoff spot. He sees better pitching because he has Brantley and Bregman and Jordan batting after him. So I would say it's more coincidental than anything else. I think when they put him in the leadoff spot, he was hitting like 325. No yeah. one expects Jeremy Pena to hit 325 in his rookie year. So the fact that he had a little bit of a skid, I would say, is more or less to do just because – that was going to happen than being in that leadoff spot. But I think the fact that he did go through the skid while he was in the leadoff spot and then hit a home run in his first day, not in the leadoff spot, Dusty kind of, you know, being the hunch you know player that he is, I have a feeling we're not going to see Jeremy Payne in the leadoff spot for a little while. Yeah. We had uh, McCormick, Brantley and Alex Bregman all had two, two hits today. So that's very good. So looking at the standings, everybody's, finished Seattle at 10 and six they were they're supposed to uh challenge us for the AOS so was the Angels they're nine and seven Oakland's nine and eight they're not supposed to be anywhere near that <laughs> and then uh, the Astros are seven and eight but we get to travel to Texas they were two and nine so they must have won three out of the last four so they're hopefully they're not getting hot at the right moment but this is a good opportunity, like you said. Like We're getting hits, and today we actually spread them out. I think today was way better for the offense, and it's just going to get better. I mean, the opportunity should be there because we're playing the Texas Rangers. Yeah. You don't think you're going to face as good of, of pitching, right? And I think that the Astros' offense is good. Like They're not going to have sustained, you know, a sustained week or two where they're not hitting the ball. Uh, you know, their, their offense is just too good. They have too good of hitters. You know, Brantley, who shouldn't be traded, uh, too good of a hitter. <laughs> Bregman's too good of a hitter. Jordan, Kyle Tucker, too good of hitters. If, if the Astros are healthy offensively, they're going to hit. Uh, I think right now it's just a small sample size. I think if you got off to a hot start and then you put this last, like, week or so of poor hitting in, in July, I don't think anybody would notice, to be honest with you, and be like, oh, okay, they're not hitting. But they, we know that they can. Uh, a lot of times you put more weight at the start of the season because, like, you look at the averages, and the averages are what they are right now. So in, unless the Astros just have a rash of injuries, they're going to hit. When Altuve's back, he's going to hit. Uh, so I'm not really worried about where the offense is at. Now, they're not as deep as they have been in years past. You know, 
the fact that you have let players go over the the last few years, you've been able to su- sustain this level of offense because you know Kyle Tucker and Jordan kind of replacing Springer, uh, Jeremy Pena off to a good start replacing Correa, but you don't have the depth as well. So if the Astros had a rash of injuries, I could see that being an issue long term. But as long as they're healthy, the Astros are going to be good offensively. Yeah, I was looking up at the big board, you know, at the lineup because it's so yeah. big and. It, you know, without Altuve in there, it looks a lot different because we're does. used to seeing the Astros stack from one to seven, and now they're like stacked one to five. They're, it's not as stacked as it used to be, but there's still enough power there to get get some runs and win some games, and starting pitching overall has been pretty good. Yeah. So I, I think we're going to be all right as well. So let's look at that Texas series. Framber starts Monday. He has a 450 RA Tuesday. Older Izzy. <laughs> the last podcast I did, I went on a rant. You know, I've, I've been supporting the guy and now I just can't. I think he's, you know, I thought he was going to be the all star he used to be. I thought he was going to be pretty good. I, I still supported him. And after the last one, and he couldn't get out of the first inning, I thought, you know what? This guy shouldn't be in the rotation if he can't even right. get out of an inning. His ERA's at nine, but now that they're going to the six man, he's still in there. And I, overall that's good. Cause I think it's good to keep Verlander rested and, and uh, rested and healthy. And then Javier gets to start Wednesday. I'm pretty excited about that. Hopefully somebody pours some coffee on him. All these games start at seven. And then Thursday, the game is at one ten, and that's Justin Verlander. So that's pretty exciting. What do you think about, Astros and the Rangers. Yeah, I think it's a time to get right. You know, you get the momentum off the home run today, and you know, I think it'd be good for the Astros to to get take three or four from from the Rangers. I think that'd be a good result. Take three of the four games there. Then you head to Toronto, so you get back to back weekends against the Blue Jays, and that's going to be a tough series. So you'd love to get three or four before you head to Toronto because you know you can salvage one game out of a three game series against the Blue Jays. You know, in Canada, I think you'd be pleased with that. So I think three three out of four would be a good goal for the Astros. That'd be a successful road, you know, first uh, the, the first leg of the road trip. Uh, I'm really excited to see Javier get a start too. It's been a while since we've seen Javier in a starting role. I think he's one of the best five starters currently on this team. Uh, I'm like you that if if the Astros stayed with the five man rotation, I was ready to flip Javier and Odorizzi's roles. I was ready to get Javier in the rotation and make Odorizzi my long guy, my mop up guy. Uh, but the fact that they're going to the six-man rotation, if I was managing the team, it's the reason that Jake Odorizzi is still going to get a start. Uh, so maybe this is kind of his reprieve. Maybe it's his last opportunity. You know, if, I don't know how long the Astros are going to go with the six-man rotation. I'd have to look at the schedule. But you know, if they pull it back to five and it's before Lance McCullers is back, it shouldn't be a layup that it's Jake Odorizzi that you know is basically your number five starter. This should be the competition between the two. You know, if if each if each guy, Odorizzi and Javier, let's just say they make three starts in this six man rotation that you have for the next few weeks, if Javier is pitching better than Odorizzi, Javier shouldn't be the odd man out just because he's capable of being a reliever. It should be Odorizzi that goes to the bullpen and be the long guy. So I'm excited that uh, you know Javier is getting a start. I think the six man rotation is wise. I don't know if Astro fans are going to love seeing Jake Odorizzi start another game, but maybe he can get going. You know, he hasn't been good as an Astro. He had some good starts late last year, but overall he has not been a quality starting pitcher, you know, in his, in his career as an Astro last two years. 
So if he's not in the rotation, you see him as a guy that uh, maybe they bring him in if they if the starter goes about two innings, kind of yeah. like he did. You know, he pitches two thirds of an inning. Well, bring Oda Rizzi in. We just we're getting yeah. killed six to zero, but no see, pressure situation, right? Yeah, I mean, you're he's your mop up guy. I mean, he's a guy eating innings. He's eating innings in games that are already decided, whether you're up a lot or whether the other team's up a lot. So. You know, we always talk about high leverage situations and you want to kind of get your best pitchers in those high leverage spots. Well, it works the other way on the opposite end of the spectrum where the worst pitchers that you're carrying should get the lowest leverage spots. And right now it's Jake Odorizzi. And that's the thing that irritated me the most about Odorizzi's last start. Kind of the underrated thing was that Javier had to go three and two thirds in a game that was already decided. You know, Javier's one of your better bullpen arms. And I, I agree that he can be used as a weapon out of the bullpen where, you know, he comes in for two to three innings, you know, just try to bridge you to the back end of the bullpen. I think that can be a weapon. And I think it was a weapon in the playoffs, but the problem that comes into play by having Javier in that role is if Jake Odorizzi gets rocked and can't get out of the first inning, you have to turn to somebody to eat innings. And I hate the idea that Christian Javier is pitching three and two thirds in a low leverage spot in a game that's already over. I mean, it was six, nothing at the point. The Astros only got one hit, and there was never a game. I mean, the game was over. The game was over after you give up six <laughs> spots at the top of the first. So I hated that Javier went three and two-thirds scoreless in a meaningless game. And I think he's too good of a pitcher to be pitching in meaningless games where, you know, his innings don't matter. I agree. What do you do with uh, Odorizzi? If you can't really cut him, right? I guess you can. You just yeah. have to eat. He makes, what, $7 million? Yeah, I think he's got – I think it's around there. Six and a half, seven million. And he's got incentives too, which – you know, if Jim Crane wants to save some money, uh, don't let him eat those incentives by not pitching. Then, you know, you don't have to pay him that. Now, it doesn't affect the luxury tax. The luxury tax already includes the incentive. So that is what it is. One interesting caveat is that Odorizzi next year, I think it's about the same amount of money, six and a half, seven million base with incentives. It's a player option for next year. So, you know, mm. it, it's it's a buyout of, I think, two and a half, three, three and a half million, somewhere around there. But. I'm sure the Astros wouldn't be too mad if Jake Odorizzi denied that player option and entered free agency. Problem with that is he's throwing away six and a half million dollars. And, you know, can he recoup that in free agency? I would doubt it. But maybe if you make him unhappy by making him your emergency long reliever mop up guy, maybe he would uh, maybe he would decline that player option. Yeah, that's about the only option, right? Make him unhappy, make him want to take it. But he's not. I mean, I think if you put him on waivers, I don't think anybody would pick him up. I don't think so. I think that the uh, the contract, like the contract's not, it's not twenty million a year, right? It's not, yeah. it's it's six and a half plus incentive, something somewhere around there. So it's not. I mean, you can swallow it, you can you can eat it, and if you were to cut them, you could just you know pay it off and you know move on. Uh, which I mean, if you're making him your emergency reliever, he's kind of going to be in that role anyways, where you're basically just eating the contract and saying, here you go, here's some innings when the game's already decided. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think if you put them on waivers. I don't think anybody's going to pick up the contract of six and a half million dollars with also a player option attached to next year for another six and a half million dollars. Uh, yeah. I don't think anybody would pick him up. I think he has zero value, maybe negative value to be honest. <laughs> well, if I was Jake Odorizzi, I would stay and I'd get that 6 million next oh, year. Me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I wouldn't That's blame him for that. <laughs> smartest thing for him. Mm -hmm. Well, all right, Jeremy, I appreciate it. Appreciate you coming yeah. on. It's always fun talking Astros and uh, I really appreciate it. No problem, Rob. I had a good meeting you. Enjoyed the conversation. And uh, anytime you want to talk some Stroh's baseball, I'd be happy to. All right. I'll give you I'll give you another uh, message and invite you back on. I'll, I always love talking to the radio guys. 
That's <laughs> that's my favorite guest because it's the best conversation. But anyway, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you send that email for the dugout mug to Astros Baseball Podcast at gmail.com. I don't even know if I said that earlier. End of May, it's over. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Astros Baseball. Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted when there's a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.